the economists uh, exist in the system to, to fulfill a role. I, I always uh, compare them to the, uh, I think, Herespices, the Herespex in uh, ancient Rome. People would uh, read the entrails of goats. <laughs> it's a pretty, but yeah, I mean, you had a whole thing. Like before any campaign, they'd have to go and they sacrifice a goat and they bring in the Herespex to, to, to read the entrails. And um yeah, to a certain extent, that within modern societies, that that role has fallen to economists. They, <laughs> they they're brought in by leaders to offer justification for a policy they want to do in the first place. Welcome to Activist NNT, a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today's part two of my three-part conversation with author, financial analyst, and applied mathematician, Brian Romanchuk. Last week in part one, we talked about his journey to NMT and his 2021 book, Modern Monetary Theory and the Recovery. Today and next week in part three, we talk about the various techniques used by bad faith critics of NMT. More broadly, these are some of the things simple bullies do when they would prefer their followers to think they're not bullies. This interview was inspired by chapter five of Brian's book, his recent appearance on MMT podcast, and my own post of several good faith critiques. A link to these things can be found in the show notes. This interview inspired me to write a new post summarizing those techniques as Brian and I discussed today, plus my own definition of a good faith critique. You can find a link to that new post in the show notes. You can also go directly to it at activistmmt.org slash BFC hyphen techniques. That's activistmmt.org slash BFC hyphen techniques. BFC is for bad faith critics. These techniques are not exclusive to MMT, of course, but Brian and I share several anecdotes and link them to actual MMT critiques and critics. And now let's get right back to my conversation with Brian Romanchuk. Enjoy. So, you know, it, it, I, I certainly hadn't heard about it, uh, and that seemed, you know, from what I've seen, it, it was a surprise to most people. But uh, yeah, you, there, like the trillion dollar coin. I guess that one was very much, because because that 
is you know a very specific thing in U.S. legislation, and um, it's it, it probably doesn't exist in any other country, right? So it it is a little. It, it's not sort of a general principle. You know, if you wanted to look, let's say, at Canada, you'd have to look at okay, what what's in the guts, the various government financing acts and regulations? Are there any sorts of uh, similar legal shticks in there. And, and in most cases, like from what I've seen, no one really knows the limits. Like they're just sort of, they, they operate a certain way. They stay within certain parameters and they don't really ever test the limits. And so, you know, no one, no one actually even knows what would like there's no good case law okay but what if x happens and it's it's never come up and uh, the multiple laws are ambiguous so it it's it will depend i mean it's it's a legal analysis it depends where you are and the only people that could give you a good opinion on that are lawyers and not certainly not economists, certainly not me, but like for example, one of the things I saw was uh, a research piece by uh, you know an investment bank talking about let's say the United Kingdom, and they went through various things and they said, yeah, it look it looks like there's no circumstance under which the bank like if the the treasury writes a check. The Bank of England doesn't have the, you know, the legal authority to bounce the check. So even though they have a very, you know, they have all these procedures about, you know, how the government finance work uh, that supposedly create a limit, there's no actual way to bounce the check. So like all all their limits are just self-imposed rules. And, you know, if, if they aren't followed, well, actually nothing happens in the real world because the check can't bounce. I mean, that could have been incorrect. I mean, maybe that legal analysis is incorrect, but that's the thing. That's a legal issue. And uh, studying stochastic calculus is going to help you with that. It's, hmm. it's purely, you know, what do the laws say? And it's not even the people working there. It's got it's got to be lawyers because because the people working there just assume and they you know the certainly the central bankers they want to believe it works a certain way and they don't necessarily care what the law says so that's it's there's that there's the legal issues and, and just as also the mechanics which are sort of well understood and the people in the banks but every, nobody worries about uh normally okay okay um all right so let's let's move on to the the main topic we can always go back to a few more if necessary at the end, and that is, um, I wanted you to come on because of the, the the section in your book on bad on good faith and bad faith critiques. And I I had also written a post with what I see as good faith critiques, uh, probably maybe seven of them. And when I wrote all these notes for these questions for for today kind of surprised myself that it's it's almost more psychology and sociology than actual practical examples of academic criticism. Um, but in a sense, that's kind of understandable because I can kind of wrap my head around that stuff better than I can the very specific critiques that like Thomas Pally is giving. You know, I, I don't have my head around like why what he's saying is why his critiques are wrong and so on. Um so hopefully we can take like these these 
tactics. So these are like the negative tactics that crit- critics use, bad faith critics use in my view. And hopefully we can kind of link them to things that are more relevant and maybe, you know, concepts. So um, I'm going to start with my definition of a good faith critique. And I'm going to ask you if, to see if you agree with this. And my summary of a good faith critique is just essentially they treat the MMT economists and academics as if they are smart and kind people and of good faith themselves. They're not, the MMT economists are not stupid or evil. Uh, and in other words, they, they are worth listening to, their work is worth reading, and they define their theory via their scholarly work. And anything aside from that, in my view, is not good faith. And like I just read Thomas Pally's, like you link to Thomas Pally's, I think it's 2019 critique of MMT, forget what it's called. Man, oh man, his tone and his attitude and his his insults shine much, much brighter to me than any of his academic things. Yeah. So yeah. do you um, agree with that summary of, a, of what? Well, I, I, I guess there's sort of two issues. Like the, I, I would... I would sort of say what you're describing is the attitude uh, behind a good faith versus a bad faith critique. Um, Like why would someone do a good faith critique? But you don't necessarily, I mean, it's possible to do a good faith critique of someone, even if you think they're, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a big fan of a lot of libertarians, let's say uh, Rothbard, who I, I, I don't know too much about him. I, mean, I think he was a raving neo-Nazi at the end, but I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. I've read, you know, one of his books, so he, he didn't seem too bad. So, but in that book per se, he was just a, a, a loony uh, free marketeer. I don't know. He went off a deep end later, but the, the issue with uh, like with the good faith, I, I would say, you know, it's for, from an academic point of view, you would say, look, because you, you're discussing someone's writing, or usually, um, you know, it could be. And, and what you're saying is, if you're doing a good faith critique, you have to go in, you, you sort of have to, you're assuming that what they're writing, so it's not necessarily about the person, it's about what they're writing. You have to have, in essence, sympathy. So you do need so you need sort of some sympathy with the person's argument. Maybe not say with the person, but with their argument. And you say, okay, what is this writer trying to say? And let's assume that the premises are correct, like, like the assumptions. What does this mean? And so you have to look through things like, let's say someone makes a typo. And uh, like, for example, in mathematics, like technically, if you have a, a typo and a proof, the proof is wrong, right? And so, hey, it should be rejected. If you, if you can be hardline, like everything should, you know, everything is supposed to line up correctly if it's you know things are either true or they're not true but the reality is even in a math you know public top journals the expectation was one typo per page mm-hmm. and uh where you know they write something and no it's not that and, and it's up to the reader to say oh that's that's actually oh, oh no that's wrong but that's probably a typo what they probably meant is x so you can't get uh, you you can't sort of just say oh this this person made a typo well they're totally wrong I mean no you 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 have to say look what is this person trying to say understand their argument and they say but wait a minute 
let, let's say I'm writing something about finance in, a, in developed economies. Someone goes, well, what about Argentina? Well, look, I mean, did it look like I was writing about Argentina? I mean, that's the thing. You have to, you have to sort of, that would be a good faith critique. So so in the essence, you, you know, you're, you're treating the arguments with respect. You don't necessarily have to respect the person. Because in, in many cases, like there's a lot of people where, no, you're not going to, the historically, if you say, no, you don't really want to treat some of these people with respect, but the, the, you know, the, they're, they're part of the intellectual history and you have no choice. You have to say, okay, well, what did they say? So, yeah, I, I, that, that for me, I think is the key thing. It's, 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 you, you have to respect the argument you have the sympathy and then you know look at the consequences okay that makes sense i think there's also a really important context with mmt that these critiques come from someone in the overwhelmingly dominant theory and they're critiquing someone in the you know the tiny minority so even a small kind of snide remark can come off more powerfully than you know, in in a relationship that's more equal, I think. Yeah. Um, well, certainly, it's you know, mainstream economists as a group, yeah, they they filter based on condescension. I, I there's no, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't sort of tar the whole profession with the with the same brush. But there's, um, I. <laughs> To, to rise to the top, there's a definite preference for people who are con- – they have personality traits that lead to condescension. Uh, there's no uh, – you know, it, it, it stands out. And, I mean, that uh, kind of implies that they're not afraid to step on heads to get ahead. Yeah, it's it's sort of the, the selection pre- – like if, if you had someone sort of meek and mild-mannered – they might be the vast majority of the people, but they're not getting ahead. But that that's just, you know, that's sort of, uh, it's a commentary on uh, hierarchies and uh, bureaucracies as well. I mean, mm-hmm. they, uh, it, it, there's a whole system. They're, they're embedded in the system. The, uh, econ- the economists uh, exist in the system to, to fulfill a role. I, I always uh, compare them to the... Uh, I think Herespices, the Herespex in uh, ancient Rome, people would uh, read the entrails of goats. Hmm. It's a pretty, uh, but yeah, I mean, you had a whole thing, like before any campaign, you'd have to go and they sacrifice a goat and they bring in the Herespex to, to, to read the entrails. And um, yeah, to a certain extent, that within modern societies, that that role has fallen to economists. They, <laughs> they, they're brought in by leaders to offer a justification for a policy they want to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of it. So to a certain extent, you know, that that's what people want from economists. And so the, the selection preferences put people up the top who can fulfill that role. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. So the first kind of major tactic, and this is pretty simplest, sim- pretty simple, but is uh, MMTers ignore X, so whatever the, you know, whatever it is, MMT MMT ignores the uh, uh, what's it called the uh, I forget the foreign exchange the the current oh, yeah. account for yeah, MMTers yeah. or the current account you know the yeah. importance of the current account or whatever whatever it yeah, is the, the the external constraint would be thank the you, issue. thank yeah, you there, there's the external constraint and or a banking system uh, those are I mean to a certain extent. You know, though, I mean, uh, the, like those particular examples for me lump into the uh, uh, good faith critique. So they, these ones aren't like 
if it, it, like it sort of depends if if you're seeing some random person on the internet which there's like if if you, if, you know I'm mainly on Twitter but uh, any any source it, it could be a paper by a central bank or yeah, if 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 you see uh, M, you know MMT ignores X, yeah, it's usually something that they've you know uh, I think we'll get in this, but it's it's you know they'll just pick in some random thing that uh, they you know they have a bug about and they ignore it, and in many cases, well, the reason why they ignore it because everyone else ignores it because it's not important, but the but but certainly like the. You know the the big ones, like the ones that everyone talks about, is is the external exchange. Oh no, uh, you know that uh, foreign bondholders are not going to be happy with policy, and the currency will crash. And you can say, look, that uh, I mean that is the debate. Is is mm do MMTers minimize the effect of that? And you know it's 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 a legit debate. MMTers are right, but that's <laughs> that's beside the point. That that that's you know that I'm just going to assert the MMTers are right, but that's that's a legit argument. Like the, the external constraint, because because it, it you know it shows up in the literature. Like, but but there's a there's a difference between my 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 point was not the specific yeah. thing. My yeah. point was that the very concept of saying you ignore X implies. Yeah. That you have, that you know their yeah. intent, that you know what they're talking about, that you have, you, that you have engaged with them personally, and more than that, that if you haven't engaged with them personally, that you have read all of their stuff. So that I mean, yes, it might be a legitimate concern uh, yeah. that does MMT, you know, address whatever the external constraint or whatever. That's one thing, yeah. but to say it as MMTers ignore the external constraint implies. That yeah. you have engaged with them and that you have engaged with all or if you haven't personally engaged, that you have read all of their stuff. And both of those things are very likely wrong. In other yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that that I guess. Yeah. Because it was basically anyone making a generalization with MMT certainly on the internet is prob- probably going to be wrong. <laughs> so and that's it. I mean, it's just because it's not really true because it's a large body of thought and the ability to, to actually offer a summary, maybe, you know, and MMTers themselves can offer, okay, we think MMT uh, says this, but for, for, for an outsider to have that level of expertise on what actually MMT says, well, it's, I mean, it's theoretically possible, but uh, I'm not, you know, if you, statistically speaking, uh, almost nobody uh, outside the MMT actually has enough knowledge of MMT, yeah, to make that. That, that that's sort of the thing that uh, al- almost any generalization about MMTers by non-MMTers are wrong. And mm-hmm. even I, I mean, I avoid making generalizations about MMT. Obviously, I had to have a few in my book. But uh, if if I if I did my job in my writing, there would have been enough uh, waffle around it. So if I'm quoted out of context, it uh, won't do too much damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so, so my so the overall point that I was trying to make yeah. is that MMTers ignore X basically creates two problems. Yeah. Now it creates two things that MMTers have to address, which is number one, the content of their criticism, which could be valid. Like, you know, does, you know, I need to under, better understand MMT's, you know, theory of external constraints or whatever, because I don't, I don't, you know, I'm concerned about it. That's one thing. But then to say MMTers ignore the external constraint, now you're basically fighting two battles. That yeah. you're not only answering the question, but you're also trying to prove the fact that you don't ignore it and that you do believe it's, you know, that it's uh, it's uh, an important thing. So it's kind of a, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess on that front, yeah, it's, but that's the thing. How do you, how do you. 
answer and generalization, especially if it's incorrect. They're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, we can just, yeah, you'd have to, I mean, the only people that can really deal with that are uh, people who know the literature well enough that they can just rattle off citations. And right. it, it, I don't. <laughs> so it's a reflection. It's a reflection yeah. of an assumption yeah. that MMTers are dumb or sinister, that assuming that they ignore it as opposed to, you know, as opposed to I haven't found it. It's there. I haven't found it as opposed to obviously they haven't considered it because I haven't found it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, for some people, uh, I mean, one of the things is that within economics, you you have a lot of people who are bugs about some particular part of economics and they, they think it explains everything. And uh, it's 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 a common. So what you know, if you're if you're an uh, Austrian gold bug. Um, you know, they can probably say, well, MMT ignores uh, the role of gold in the history of money or something, which, you know, that's the thing is that, yeah, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, even if the, even if there is some literature, yeah, and generally it's ignored because most people ignore it, but that, <laughs> that, that's telling you a bit more about, you know, the, the, the person's worldview than, and it's, it's not really, well, yeah, of course, of course we, right. we ignore Martians because yeah, <laughs> you know, that's it. I mean, it's just, there's, there's certain things that are ignored and people can't deal with that but that's the problem is it, mmt is getting well you know being hit from every conceivable angle so mm-hmm. i mean just yeah at least it was things have calmed down a little bit people are worried about other things a, mm-hmm. a bit more but he, even then it, it just comes up every so mm-hmm. often people have random mmt attacks they, right. they stick into things um, yeah so 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 i mean like kind of like the overarching thing with like my kind of definition of good faith is is basically when you don't know the answer instead of asking questions you resort to insults and mmtiers ignore x is kind of yeah, a version yeah, of yeah, that yeah 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 so um all right so the next thing this is going to take a a minute to read what i what i wrote about this and then you'll you'll tell me what you think so in your book you say non-answerable there's a section called non-answerable yeah. critiques and one of those is an mmt supporter on the internet said something wrong and i see an extension of that being an mmt supporter was a jerk and which often devolves into mmt as a cult you know that yeah. just you know it's a random insult so that assessment obviously is from someone's point of view, through their eyes, through their glasses, through their worldview. So they're saying, I was a completely reasonable person. They were mean to me for no good reason, totally unprompted. But every relationship, every interaction is a relationship. You know, what side of the scissors did the cutting? So there's, you know, vanishingly few things that happen that between two people that is, you know, 100% the fault of one person and zero percent the fault of the other person. You know, these this is a really it's a relationship. So in my view, when someone says, you know, an MT supporter said something wrong, or, you know, obviously mostly referring to non-academics, or that they an MMT person was a jerk, they were mean to me, that it's it's basically a dog whistle to other people to discriminate against that person. The people that, you know, that they're they're supporters to discriminate against those people who are saying that they were a jerk or wrong or whatever. And it's giving implicit permission to discriminate against them. It, and it is, but it is also true that there are some MMTers that do stupid stuff, just like some people in pretty much every group are, you know, do on not very tasteful things, you know? Um, and there's also the angle of, this is kind of a, a, an offshoot, but there's also the angle of, 
people online, like academics online, I can think of a few names, I'm not going to say them, that that basically burn their bridges with the academic, the MMT academics. And so they have to resort to who's left is the non-academics who, you know, they swarm them with any whatever, any assertion that they make. And then they use the non-academic person's assertion, which may be not fully correct or maybe framed improperly or whatever different language. And then they use that as evidence to generalize against MMT itself. So it was kind of a bunch of stuff, but it circled around the same thing. So your thoughts? Um, Well, certainly, I mean, I mean, there's a few issues. I mean, the, uh, uh, I guess the, yeah, the big one is, yeah, you, you have non, you know, there's a, MMTers are active on the internet and uh, I don't know if it's sort of fallen off, but certainly uh, any sort of forums, you know, anyone, anyone who made the mistake of saying, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, bond issuance finance uh spending or something like that they got an earful mm-hmm. and uh so the 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 problem was is that you know there you'd have people well i guess you can say activists average person on the street will be saying things and that what they're saying isn't necessarily true but they'll say it a lot and repeatedly and so the the problem is is that yeah it's it's not not going to be helpful for for MMT's case to be blunt you know if 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 you have someone loudly yelling something that MMT you know this is MMT when actually MMT doesn't say that and uh, I'm not seeing that happen too too much too often but I certainly saw it happen uh maybe more years ago I don't uh, I'm sort of seeing less of it so but the thing is, is that people do have long memories for things like this, especially if they get an argument. You get an argument with someone, you can remember it for a long time. So people, <laughs> anyone sort of involved in line probably got an argument with MMT support at some point. So they're they're going to remember it and, you know, it's going to stick in their craw, I guess is the expression. So there is that. So, but, but generally speaking, I mean, that's sort of the issues that, Okay, well then, you know, I mean, people will do that. Is people will then point to, well, this is what this random person on the internet said, and well, is, is that really a good source? I mean, if, if any sort of school of thought, if if you went by what some random person said, well, it's going to fall apart. You know, the the, ol- the only reason uh, neoclassical. Uh, economics doesn't fail on that score is nobody cares about it nobody <laughs> no no look nobody really understands it the neoclassicals can't even explain it so that's the thing is they don't have that problem because nobody cares hmm. and no passion uh, on that on, yeah, no no passion passion on that side see what you would have had more would have been let's say like uh, would be things like monetarists something like that where where they use well i guess there's still is a monetarist fringe left but back in the day uh you had you know a lot of popular monetarists. And so then um, they would have been saying a lot of stupid stuff that would be pretty embarrassing for the uh, academic monetarists. But uh, right now, nobody nobody really cares about me. So, you know, the only people who are going to be talking about neoclassical macro are people who probably have PhDs in the field. So obviously, the, you know, they're going to have a slightly higher uh, quality of debate. But uh, yeah, and that's it. I mean, that that is sort of a problem. Is that for for a lot of people, their introduction to MMT is people argue, people arguing on the internet uh, about MMT. So they're they're not getting it from uh, an academic article or even you know a halfway decent 
you know, like an op-ed or something like that, that actually, uh, with decent, you know, decent quality of discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also an element of the, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of new people who've come onto MMT are, are kind of, their mind is blown by the idea that taxes don't fund spending. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, I probably am, you know, significantly, you know, fell for this as well, where, you know, once you discover that, you just want to tell everybody, but yeah. you're not prepared to deal with the consequences of that, especially yeah. if you go on Twitter and you tell a PhD mainstream economist or whatever, you know, you're responding to them. So yeah. in a way that that can cause, that can, yeah. that can I mean, cause trouble from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, admittedly, I'm a, uh, I'm technically a non-economist who dump on economists. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in that boat, but obviously, you know, if, if the thing is, is that I've been around long enough, I know I'm up against. So I, I like to think that I at least have a rough idea what I'm talking about. Although I, I don't think any neoclassical would agree with me. That's another thing. But uh, but that's not really my target audience. I don't care. But that's the thing is that going in, going going in and telling an economist, like it, even even if they do have no idea what they're talking about. They have, uh, like I said, it's, it's certainly all the prominent. Any, anyone's gotten anywhere that if they're at the top of the thing, like they've condescension. Like I said, it's it's a profession where taught the people at the top of the profession uh, have been selected to be condescending. I mean that that is the personality type. I mean I don't know if it's how widespread that is in society, but certainly uh, you can see that in economists. So you don't go up to someone like that and then tell them they're wrong about economists. It's going to be a bloodbath. I mean there's no. It's just that's the you know, but that's their personality type. They're not. Uh, they they condescend to other people, but they're not going to accept being condescended to themselves. So they're mm. going to they're going to react very very badly. So so that's it. So that's why there's uh, I mean I, I can see there's a lot of bad blood being generated and on on some of those online uh, conversations. But generally speaking, I'd say look if you don't you you want to target politicians and other people and let the economists be. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, it's 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 going to be. You know, if you're going to do it, it's, it's a much it's a much more challenging discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, next one. Um, so I, again, I read Thomas Pally's 2019 critique, and I'm just like, I I was like, really, it was it was stressful. It was stressful how snide he was. Um, and one of the things that he said was, and this is a quote. No, no, no. This is my. This is he basically says this. This is my uh, paraphrase of it. MMT is impossible to understand because they're deliberately deceitful and they keep changing their positions. I'm I'm paraphrasing it, but that is very close to what he says, and he gives some examples. So two examples of this is is one is Thomas Pally in his 2019 critique, and also Krugman talking about Stephanie Kelton on Twitter when he invoked. Calvin Ball accusing Stephanie Kelton of Calvin Ball uh, in their public debate in 2020 on in Twitter on New York and the New York Times. So yeah. again, is MMT not understandable, or are these people not understanding it? Which side of the scissors did the cutting? And again, especially with Krugman, and I guess Pally as well. You know, Krugman has what four million followers on Twitter. It's a yeah. dog whistle to give permission to his followers to discriminate. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The uh, 
it certainly came from Krugman. And then people just repeat it. I mean, that that is one of, I mean, what you see in the uh, uh, sort of mainstream critiques. I mean, there are some good ones, but there's actually a small literature, like the, you know, as an ex-academic, you just see this coming, is that uh, people are desperate to publish papers and academics and central bankers are sort of pseudo academics. So they also publish papers. And so th- there's actually a genre of mainstream articles uh, where they basically just cite, you know, it's a, it's a critique of MMT based on reading other critiques of MMT. Mm-hmm. And one of the things why, I mean, certainly this Calvin Ball thing from, from uh, uh, Krugman, it just gets repeated. So he says it and every other, you know, everyone else, they just repeat what he says. They don't, they don't actually validate it. They don't think there, there's no, there's zero scholarly effort involved. They say, oh, he says it's called, and they'll just repeat what he said they either quote right. him or just repeat it so that that certainly uh i mean on krugman's side i mean i i would say that was fairly you know and then it showed up and then it spread because that for a lot of the people that's all they know about mmt is what krugman said about it so sure. and what for whatever reason they trust krugman and hey nobel prize winner uh blah blah so so they're they're gonna they're gonna agree with that with pally yeah i don't know the um it, it, you know he's got a it, at least he was he's doing it i think within the context of academic paper and i i believe and actually i'll give him i'll give him a little bit of credit he yeah. did quote yeah, several uh, mmt academic papers but he's just such yeah. a snide thing well yeah it's uh well i mean you know whatever it's uh, academics can be snide so uh it, it but that's the thing is that uh if if we sort of trusted the peer review process, which I'm not entirely sure in this case, um, you know, if, if it was going through a proper peer review, well, whatever. I mean, but that's, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, hey, I mean, if, if, if MMTers are being inconsistent, fine. I mean, uh, you know, roast them for it. But like in the context of, you know, that's got to be done in, uh, in the academic contest. But, but yeah, normally there's a certain amount of, academic decorum which uh pally really pushes but uh whatever i'm 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 used to uh, uh post post keynesian academic writing is not like the academic writing i'm used to in applied math you know we uh text you know we we want to have as little text as possible it was supposed to be like equations <laughs> and and explanation because you because the, the equations aren't meaningful but basically you didn't you didn't didn't blather on about things because it was it was it was taking up too many valuable inches discussing <laughs> philosophy yeah. but uh yeah i i is the critique good i mean this is sort of the you know i mean i i don't really buy it i mean this is the issue you know what is mmt is it what a bunch of people are in the internet are saying in which case well you know i mean obviously if if you're if you're looking at a large number of people posting stuff on the internet are they going to be internally consistent well of course not right (laughs) you you then have to say 
well, you know, then, but what about, you know, a somewhat reliable source? Are they internally consistent? Well, then you'd have to actually look at all these papers. And then the other thing you have to do is, well, wait a second here. Um, maybe people involved don't agree with one another, you know, shock horror. I mean, this... Uh-huh. So, because they don't. I mean, uh, I mean, the the whole purpose of MM to a certain extent, MMT grew out of uh, post Keynesian. It was it was a, it's a rebranding of a grew a uh, part of post Keynesian economics, but they wanted to avoid the problem. The problem with post Keynesian economics is that. They ripped themselves to shreds with all these little doctrinal uh, uh, wars, and you know they largely disappeared from relevance. Certainly in North America, I mean Europe, they have a little bit more credibility, but they they disappeared off the face of the earth from the perspective of North, like in North American ec- economist circles. They, they uh, and that's the thing; they just sat there arguing with each other. So MMT said, "Look, instead of arguing with each other, why not have a constructive program and focus on that?" And that was sort of the whole point, which is not what Pally wanted. So that's the thing. So, you know, the MMT, because they wanted to create sort of a constructive narrative, they do have to, like, the whole point was that here's a nice internally consistent message. And, you know, they they do want to paper over all the contradiction, but there's still... Uh, they're still economists. They don't necessarily agree with each other on everything, and that's going to show up. And I, I think that that's pretty much inevitable. If, if you if you look at any economic school of thought, it, not everyone agrees with each other on mm-hmm. on a lot of issues. So, mm-hmm. so it's just a question of well, you know, that's that's life. It's it's not it's not like it's uh, basic physics. There's a, there's a lot of things. Well, no, they don't necessarily agree. So, I, I mean, it, and the thing is, it's not understandable. I mean, I, I mean, if, if I can read it and understand it without formal training in economics, it's, uh, it's a bit of a stretch to say that's, you know, it's, it's too obscure. But yeah, you actually have to read things, <laughs> and part of the problem, I guess. Uh, no one, everyone wants to sort of fed to them on a platter. They just want to read, like. I guess the the issue is everyone uh, for a mainstream economist when they see modern monetary theory they see the word theory and they think it's a sing it's like a uh basically like what everyone else would call a model uh like here's a single model for the economy and if you look at it, there's the uh fiscal theory of the price level which is just a model uh that that ties you know the the price level inflation to government spending there's the quantity theory of money which is just uh, a basic equation about money. So for for whatever reason, when they see the word theory, they assume it's like a single model. And so they think it should be something, because you can't explain the quantity theory of money or the fiscal theory of price level in like a 15-page PDF and do a pretty good job of it. But MMT is basically like the, you know, the whole gamut of macroeconomics and even microeconomics. So you're not going to do a 15-page summary of that because you couldn't do that. Like, let's say, try summarizing neoclassical economics in 15 pages. You couldn't do it. But 
you know, you could say, here's this model, and then you'd be spending the rest of your time explaining, well, actually, no one agrees that the model exactly holds for all these reasons, and it still turns into a 50-page essay, right? Because, <laughs> you know, there is sort of, okay, here's this model that supposedly explains everything, but then, and they have to add in all the stuff where the model doesn't work, and mm. it's still huge. Like, because if you just stuck with, the, like, that basic model, everyone would you just laugh at it. So, mm. and, and that's the thing, is that's what they're expecting, and you know they're not getting it and that's it they're they're just sort of saying oh no no one you know you can't expect me to read all this stuff it it all contradicts each other and they just cry about it (laughs) i mean i mean it's 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 i keep going back to this analogy which is the only way that i you know it's like do you want to understand the child or do you want to reduce them down to a report card yeah like the only way that you will view a child is through the report card. The child is much more complicated than that. And if, you know, and it's like life is more complicated than that, but they want to reduce it down to, you know, this, this minimalist thing. Um, you said before, um, you know, if they are inconsistent, that's a problem. Of course, that, that's a real problem if they are inconsistent. But that is very different than saying they are deliberately deceitful. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, just. It's, well, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, there's complaint. Okay, how are they presented? But. But the problem is, is like, I can see, um, no, there's issues because once you start writing like a popularization, you know, let, let's say Stephanie Kelton writes an op-ed. Well, she doesn't have, she's not writing a thesis. So she's got to cut it down. She's got to simplify things. And so you know, then you can start debating, well, did are people simplifying things the right way? Are they, are they doing little rhetorical tricks? And that's sort of, well, I don't know how you present it, but that's the thing is that you got to go in and say, look, you're objecting not really to the theory. You're objecting to uh, a popularization of the theory by one person. If you don't like the way they've written it, t- take it up with them. I mean, it's not like if uh, Krugman writes something uh, dubious in one of his op-eds, does that mean neoclassical macro is wrong? You know, that, that, no, no, no one, like that's sort of a standard that MMT is held to, but not any other school of thought. Like you got to say, look, okay, fine. If you don't like the way they present it, go ahead. And, and that's the thing. I mean, if, if you've got, you know, a a dozen people writing dozen op-eds a year, I'm sure there's going to be some stuff in there that people could object to, but yeah, I'll take it up with them. I mean, it's not, but it's, you know, why are you whining about this? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not really a substantive critique, you know, that, uh, if if all you're relying on is trying to interpret a few words in a popularization, you, you know you got to accept that you really don't have a grasp on what the act, you know the you know what the the deeper theory is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a brief diversion uh, with Thomas Pally, uh, which I did not put on the notes. He actually okay, so he says this is a paragraph from Thomas Pally's thing. As regards to he, well, he basically just says that MMT, you know, printing. He says MMT's printing press economics has provided a simple counter to neoliberalism's claim that government has no financial space because it is akin to a private household. Uh, so he actually then has a footnote and he says his version of why the household analogy is false, and his three reasons are: number one, government can raise taxes to pay its bills while households cannot. Number two, governments can issue money to pay its bills. And number three, governments live forever where households don't. It's kind of just like like he was like 
I kind of agree with MMT. And then he goes into his explanation of it, which is just like v- very odd way of, of thinking of the household analogy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and be honest, uh, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't help that much because, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's just basically writing out what, what the neoclassicals think. So it's basically just a gigantic household. Yeah, it's that, a gigantic household, less, but 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 it's still, it's still. Uh, I mean, technically, it's it still has a financial constraint, and he's sure. just written out the the constraints. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's it, but the government isn't exactly like a household. But the point of the neoclass is that it faces a financial constraint, right. and you know, he's just he's actually agreeing with them, and just saying, but yeah, it's not exactly. Well, who cares? I mean, yeah, the, he's the, changing the, it. He's yeah. He's changing it so he doesn't have to change it. That's basically yeah, what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, no because no one believes that it's exactly the same. Like no, and no one's stupid enough to say the government <laughs> is exactly like a household. They know about that stuff, but <laughs> it's still. I mean, they they call it. It's the analogy is referring to because they introduce the at the beginning. Here's your household financial constraint. Oh yeah, by the way, the government has its own financial constraint. That's almost the same thing. Mathematically, mm-hmm. they're they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so another one with uh, it's going to take me uh, just a minute to describe it. Uh, in your book, you say uh, section five point two non answerable critiques just don't like the politics, and this yeah. is how, how I would phrase this: is MMT is wrong because if it were right, then it would be bad. So since it would be bad, it has to be wrong. So. Uh, like if MMT were right, it would put money creation in control of our corrupt, you know, so-called elected leaders with fiscal policy. And since government is hopelessly incompetent and corrupt, we can't allow that to happen. Therefore, MMT has to be wrong. And again, and kind of an extension, if MMT were right, then it would put, quote, the unwashed masses more in control of money creation, and that would cause unspeakable horror to the pocketbooks of the rich. Therefore, MMT must be wrong. What what is left unspoken, in my view, is that the masses are unwashed because they're deliberately kept unwashed, and the government is hopelessly incompetent and corrupt because it's deliberately kept hopelessly incompetent and corrupt. And three simple examples are, you know, Fed board members.
Today's part two of my three-part conversation with author, financial analyst, and applied mathematician, Brian Romanchuk. Last week in part one, we talked about his journey to MMT and his 2021 book, Modern Monetary Theory and the Recovery. Today and next week in part three, we talk about the various techniques used by bad faith critics of MMT. More broadly, these are some of the things simple bullies do when they would prefer their followers to think they're not bullies. This interview was inspired by Chapter 5 of Brian's book, his recent appearance on MMT Podcast, and my own post of several good faith critiques. A link to these things can be found in the show notes. This interview inspired me to write a new post summarizing those techniques as Brian and I discuss today, plus my own definition of a good faith critique. You can find a link to that new post in the show notes. You can also go directly to it at activistmmt.org slash bfc hyphen techniques. That's activistmmt.org slash bfc hyphen techniques. BFC is for bad faith critics. These techniques are not exclusive to MMT, of course, but Brian and I share several anecdotes and link them to actual MMT critiques and critics. And now let's get right back to my conversation with Brian Romanchuk. Enjoy. <laughs> 